Welcome back to the Successful Survivors Podcast. We are so glad that you're here. We are successful survivors of childhood trauma. We're your people, we're your tribe, and you're safe here. And today we're going to talk about the two things that you control. No matter what your circumstances are, these two things you have control over. So Diana, let's go, girl. Hello. Okay. Um, One thing I want to add really quick. Welcome, everyone. Um, Please like and subscribe to our podcast. That's how the algorithm begins to really get out there to all the survivors that really need our podcast. And, you know, I mean, listen, there's a lot of survivors of childhood trauma, of any other kind of trauma, and you all matter. So I just wanted to say that first thing. And next, um, you know, when I was thinking about this, how I wanted to approach this week's podcast, I started reflecting back on what really made me care about health and fitness or overall health and wellness. And I started thinking back on um, when that became important to me and when I really actually wanted to build strength. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one here who has had traumatic things happen. We all know that's why, you know, most of us are all here anyway. But we are all not in control during any of those traumatic events. And we're all like, someday, someday I'm going to be able to control my situation, right? Well, control what? I mean, I could go in a huge hole about that, obviously. We can't control everything. And incidentally, I personally would never want to control everything. I mean, there's no mystery in life. There's no, you know, excitement. There's no adventure. I mean, I'm it's too much responsibility (laughs) to control every single aspect of everything, right? So I started thinking about this. Um, When I was younger, I couldn't control anything that was happening in that moment. But I always dreamt of a time where if I could just become strong, I might be able to make a difference. So fast forward, I get my very first job. I'm 15 years old with my whopping $3.35 an hour in 1982. That's a long time ago, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I thought this is where it starts. This is the part that is going to, this is the beginning, the trajectory, right? I'm going to be able to make my money. I can help pay bills. I can take care of the whole family. Dad can go, right? I got this. Obviously not realistic, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, but what I started to really do is observe people. And the people around me, I'm watching what they're doing. And, you know, they're, most of them were athletes because you're right around 15, 16, 17. They were in high school sports. And so I'm watching how they trained their muscles. They ate the right foods. You know, I, I, they went to sleep before I did. You know, they probably got sleep if we're being honest. Um, and all of that stuff started to make sense. The right food they were putting in their body the right activity that they were doing, right? They're building muscle. If your legs are strong, what can you do? You can run faster. If you have to defend yourself, you're in a position to do that. What you really gain is confidence. That's the biggest part. Anytime you take control over your body and you feel stronger, your mental stability gets stronger. That's what we want. We want physically to be stronger so we can control whatever comes our way. Your mental is stronger. You can maybe figure out where the nearest exit door is and run, but you can at least run. Those are the two things we can control, what we put in our body and how we move our body. And we all have choices. Taking back my control kind of manifested in that physical and mental strength way. Before I go on to questions with you guys, I wanted to 
say there's a song, and many of you may have heard it. Um, it's by Jelly Roll. There's a song he has called Save Me. And one of the lyrics, just a little part of it, it says, all of the drinking, all of this drinking and smoking is hopeless, but I feel that it's all that I need. Something inside me is broken. I hold on to anything that sets me free. I'm a lost cause. I know I have felt that way in so many times, like up and down, up and down, doing the, you know, different journey and self-destruction and self-medicating and all the things that, you know, we do when we, a lot of us do anyway, when we go through trauma, because that's our control, right? But that's, what is that doing? That's putting something in our body. We have control of that. Moving our body, sitting on our butt, doing nothing, right? We have control of that. Those are the two things that we have control over. So um, the song was, it really hit me really hard yesterday when I was doing this. And I know for a fact, when you go through those peaks and valleys in your life, that that is a path to depression and good food, good gut health. I'm not going to get into all the nutrition stuff. That's just about above my pay grade. <laughs> you can Google it. <laughs> it's all out there. But what you put in your body helps your mental stability, your attitude, um, how people see you, how they perceive you. And it's not the physical, it's the mental. When you have that self-confidence, it's how people can, can start to relate to you. You want to be around someone who's happy and joyful. You don't want to be around somebody who's like this. I mean, you can't go to somebody in your tribe going, I have a problem, but I can't go to you because you obviously have a problem right now. I can't go to you. you, know what I mean? mm. you right? I might have had too much coffee today, if I'm being honest. Kids are being sold for sex. This is the sign for please help me. You can help. Here's how. Watch for these four signs of possible trafficking. Young people who look like they're being controlled. Young people who look avoidant or withdrawn. Young people who look like they've been abused. Young people who seem like they're unaware of their surroundings or situation. If danger seems imminent, call 911. Report what you see. Call 888-3737-888. Do not confront. Let law enforcement investigate. For more information and free resources, go to SuccessfulSurvivors.org. I'm going to go to the questions. Don. What obstacles do you think you face in taking charge of your food and physical health after tough experiences in childhood? So as I was reflecting on this question, I, I used to um, be kept away from food. I didn't have access to it whenever I wanted. And so when I was younger, so when I got older, I chose poor choices. I was like, I can eat whatever I want and whatever I want and buy whatever I want. So I wasn't very intentional of thinking about what I should actually really do and have the fuel like you were talking about. Um, mm -hmm. So I just, I didn't, just making those poor choices, first of all, um, was really bad for me because now I'm 44. and That makes sense. That totally makes sense to me, though, that you would do that. Food's kept from you. Firstly, I'm going to go get it some chips like that's, or chocolate. That's the first thing I'm going to do if I have access to food as an adult, if I've been kept from food. But what do you do now? 
I would have to say for now, I don't do as much of that, but I find it, I'm finding hard time motivating myself to exercise. Um, I'm not a morning person and I'm hearing all, I see all the research on doing, get up and move your body in the morning. It helps you. And I'm like, <laughs> it's just a, it's a struggle just to get out of bed, let alone get a shower and get ready for work. So I, I was going to ask you mm-hmm. what, and maybe this is another thing, another podcast thing, but what can we, what can we kind of focus on to get us to do that? Like, right. Like you had a, you had a drive and you did that. My drive was like, I just want to eat and I don't want to, I mean, I didn't, I mean, all these years we get up for school, right. And early, early, I'm like, well, I did that and I stay with me. Um, you know, it's, I think it's just making those choices, right. The choices are going to be your discipline. It's going to have to be what, like you kind of almost have to work backwards. So if your goal is to get up in the morning, what do you have to do the night before? Do you have to go to bed early the night before? Do you not have, don't eat late. You don't want to eat late the night before, right? So you want to get proper amount of sleep if you can, right? And then you you set that alarm and you get out of bed. The alarm is set across the room and it's not at your head. It's across the room where you physically get up and you have to go turn it off. Once you're up, get to a sink, splash water on your face, do what my husband does, put the gym clothes or walking clothes, whatever, sweatshirt, whatever you want, right there. It's cold right now where you're at, I know. So put a sweatshirt on, put a beanie right there, and then walk outside. I personally, I mean, I would be brushing my teeth in that moment, but personally, I don't even care. Like get up, put a sweatshirt on, put a beanie on, walk outside, 10 minutes. Because 10 minutes around the block, mentally for you, Don, for all of us, that is a game changer. It's a game changer. But but you walk around the block just for that one little moment and you come back and now jump in the shower. 10 minutes. Am I telling you to work out for two hours? No. 10 minutes. Walk around the block. Come back. You Your attitude for the rest of the day will be, it'll, it's a game changer. I promise you. Lee. Oh, boy. <laughs> I feel like I'm just there. I didn't raise my hand. <laughs> That's- That's why you're being called on, miss. (laughs) (laughs) When thinking about the idea of taking control, what parts of your well-being seem the most challenging or intimidating? First thing is assuming that I have well-being. Kind of to Dawn's point, coming out or even as you begin to recognize that you're in a healthier place, but you might not know how to respond to that. That's challenging. Like, so right now, just in my own personal journey, uh, one of the things that I'm I'm really focused on is being intentional. I have spent you know as much time as I can remember um, letting life happen to me instead of me taking charge of what happens in my life. And so this is a very timely conversation. I actually used to be very athletic. And I know that that athlete is still here. It's still in my mind. My body might not always cooperate, but where was that road that turned from wanting to work out to now feeling like I don't deserve to work out? Like it's not, I I know right now in my world, I am just trying to teach myself that I am worthy of taking care of. I was talking with Rhonda just a few minutes before the podcast started about how hard it is to break that mindset of feeling 
of what I, has been ingrained in me and has been taught to me and reinforced, whether intentionally or not, that I'm not worthy. Everybody else deserves to be able to do their thing. And if I think about doing my thing, I'm just being selfish, right? And so I'm really trying very hard to reach that point where I can say I'm worthy of eating well. Now, I'm just putting food in my mouth because that's what my body tells me I need to do, but that I can be, um, that it's okay for me to eat good food. Now I've got to take it to that next step of being intentional about what, what is good food for, for me. And I think it's really important too, that I'm a really picky eater. And so I only like very few things. I, and I am not interested in experimenting. I'm not interested. I hate cooking. Um, so I, you know, I'm not going to turn into a gourmet chef. Uh, if it comes down to me having to learn how to cook exotic meals or running through drive-through, drive-through wins every time, <laughs> every time. Um, but I also, uh, in this growth process, I also, there's a, there's a, um, I don't know if it's regret or if it is, um, grief, but waiting until you're 57 to figure it out or feel like you are in a place um, that you're worthy is, is hard. I mean, there's a sadness there that I, that I didn't care about myself before now, right? And so to any of us that are listening, that might be in the same boat I am, I, I just, I want to encourage you that you are worthy, that you do deserve to treat yourself well. And so when I saw the topic of what can we control, that is the other thing that not only in my personal world, but here at the closet, foster care closet, we have really been focusing on the things that we can control and how we are better leaders, how we serve our community better, um, how we share um, the experiences of our, our foster care youth. And, um, and so uh, I think, I think that recognizing um, that there is a, a possibility of taking control. Um, and then with that comes the ownership. Once you've recognized that comes the ownership of doing it. And that's, that's where I'm at. Like I recognize it now, but I'm also the only one that can do something about it. And so for all of those who are in that same boat as I am right now, I just want you to know that you are worthy. Um, and that, it's it's going to be an uphill climb for a while, but you're not alone. And don't don't give up uh, simply because it's hard. And I I hope that you are much younger than I am, so that you can live a much longer period of time with a fulfilled um, life, with all of the joys that that come with that. So the challenging and intimidating part is you caring for you, right? Yeah, because it seems that you're caring for everyone else and you can see and encourage everyone else, but your challenge, what's intimidating for you with regards to this question is you caring for you. Right. Yeah. But you're working on that. I'm trying. Every day. <laughs> every day. I mean, it's just like, even if it's one thing, write down one thing every day that you did nice for yourself in the morning and check it off the list. You don't have to do 10, just one. Just think of one tiny little thing. Um, 
Rhonda, are there particular worries or fears that stop you from trying out ways to fear to feel more in control of your body? Hmm. Well, I don't even really know how to answer that question because I go to a whole different place, you know, because it's like a really, I am from outer space. I probably hatched out of an egg. You know, I'm just, the way I think is so different when, when I, when I, when I thought about, okay, the things that you control, I didn't even go to the physical realm. My mind automatically goes to, I can control what I think. I can control what I say. I can control my attitude. I can control to a degree my feelings. And then, yeah, in the physical realm, I can control that I put water in my body instead of soda. I can I can choose to eat broccoli instead of chips. All of that kind of thing is easy for me because I love vegetables. I really don't like greasy processed fruit food. I really don't like drive through. I I would prefer mm-hmm. I know Lee where you're coming from, but I'm kind of the opposite because I think it, it is kind of an element of control for me. When I cook my food, I'm in control of my food. There's not mm-hmm. somebody in the drive-thru who's irritated or doesn't like the car I drive or whatever, who spits in my burger before they put, no, that's not happening. I'm, I'm, I eat it home most of the time for weird reasons, but um, that way I control what I eat. But um, so I'm sure that I'm really not appropriately answering your question, Diana. I, I think though, Lee, I really relate to what you were saying. I think that's where my brain still is to this day. I, uh, there's a, there's like a, a, it's not a word. I'll just make it up right now. Deservability issue with me. Like I don't initiate phone calls. If you've ever gotten a phone call from me, it was a very rare occurrence. It's like the sight of a unicorn. I will return a call, but I don't initiate phone calls because in my head, in my head, you don't want to hear from me. Mm. You don't want me to call you. It's going to be a huge inconvenience for you. You're going to be on the other side of the phone, rolling your eyes like, oh my gosh, why is she wasting my time? I can't stand her. Why is she calling me and sucking up my time? She's, I don't want her. I don't like her. I don't want her near me. I wish she wouldn't call me. This is the committee in my head. Mm -hmm. I don't go places that I'm not invited. I would never say, oh, Diana, you're having people for Super Bowl. Can I come? No, you will never hear anything <laughs> like that from me. So consequently, I don't, I don't really show up at things a whole lot. So it all, though, boils down to, to me, worth and value and deservability. And I lived a big, long part of my life just thinking that I didn't deserve the air that I breathed, the food that I ate. I was taking up space on earth. Because like you said, Lee, you said it so perfectly, the the message in me was received when I was very young, loud and clear. And then it was confirmed and confirmed and confirmed over and over and over again that I wasn't wanted and I wasn't worth anything. And so I'm just a huge inconvenience to everybody in the whole world. So I've fought that my whole entire life. And what has helped me is um, is becoming a Christian and believing that there is a God who loved me so much that he sent his son to, to provide me a pathway back to him, to eternal life. And I buy it. I just buy it. So, um, so that's very helpful for me. And so all the stuff that I've written, the books that I've written, like 30 days to happiness, guess what? It's about fighting depression, 30 days to love it's and love is action all about feeling unloved. 
and getting to the place where you do feel loved. Oh, so yeah, there it is. So I get it. I get it. The, the, I And the, this part of why I wanted to do this podcast, because survivors of childhood trauma have had these messages. We've had our control taken away. And, but like you said, Diana, to Lee, or to, to Don, maybe what, so what are you doing now? So we can all right now today decide that today is the day that we are going to do something differently, think differently, take control of our situation. Whoever's listening to this, hopefully you're not being abused. Now, you might be stuck in the feeling of it, post-traumatic stress, that kind of thing, but hopefully it's not happening right now. And today can be the day that we all listen to Diana and start taking control of what we eat and drink and how we move and I think that'll influence the way we think and our attitude and, you know, all the rest of the things that I think about. So, I mean, it does, it does trickle down. <laughs> it does, tr- it does trickle down. So um, all I could do is encourage you guys to just even, like I said to Lee, just one thing, do like one good thing for yourself a day for 21 days. Let that one thing become a habit. It doesn't really matter how long it takes, right? As long as you're doing one positive step every single day for yourself. Mm-hmm. Amber, my mm-hmm. friend Amber, how could having a supportive group of people around you or getting help from professionals be helpful as you start the journey to take care of your health? I would certainly say the encouragement is so important from what actually everybody was talking about. I think it it touches on that. Like, where do we go from the mind frustration and, and the heaviness of the, the, the thoughts to keep us from taking that first step that you were talking about? And a lot of times that's the people around us, the encouragement, the motivation, the how did that exercise go that you were doing or the nutrition that you were doing and the accountability to check up somebody who is for you in this, not against you or offensive with you while you're doing this. Um, they can give you some grace for what you struggle with. So food, when you talk about that, I also, Don struggled with food deprivation. I, I mean, I would keep peels of apples in little pieces in my cabinet and to, to use them. I would eat dog food. Uh, I, I was very, and so it continues to be a challenge as an adult. When I was uh, 17, my life goal, Lee, was whenever I got a job, like you were talking about, I was going to go get 17 Coney dogs and 17 French fries from the good old Sonic and eat them all to myself. I still haven't done this, but I still remember the goal I had was not a nutritious goal, (laughs) but it was something to do with food. And so understanding that and accepting that as an adult and having people give give you some ideas and encourage you. And then maybe for my birthday, we go out to Sonic or after I've accomplished something, we go with another person to get something. So in answer to your question, Diana, using those people is so important. And sometimes 
I certainly believe in therapy. Sometimes we might need to discuss with somebody, you know, where is my frustration or my barrier to going and and walking? Like Don was saying, I've wanted to be a morning person to exercise. I've learned I am a night person. Uh, I get very tired after I exercise because of the endorphins that are released. It causes my body to relax. Um, and so I stretch afterwards. And most people are not night exercisers. I've learned that I am. And so I do that. Um, that's a great thing. There's so much science to what you're saying, Diana. I love that about you. I go to Diana for physical uh, insight. How do you maintain a healthy relationship with your body while acknowledging the impact of past trauma? And are there daily habits that contribute to this? Were there unexpected challenges you faced in reclaiming control and how did you overcome them? Can you share specific strategies or practices that played a crucial role in regaining control over your body after childhood trauma? How do you take control of your nutrition and physical health during your daily healing journey? I think I kind of touched on that earlier, but what is one thing that you can control that you're willing to commit to? Two different questions there that you're willing to commit to that one thing every day to help you, to help your own self or yourself. I'd like to jump in on that, Diana. I think what you're talking about here, I think that's why I think it's so important for us to understand our authentic identities, to understand our strengths and our gifts and our talents and our intelligences and what we're able to do, the, the things that we've you know, learned along the way. And, and the way that we do those things, the way that we put all that into practice, typically is through work. So I know I took control of my life um, with my first job. And with every single paycheck I got, my self-esteem went up. Mm-hmm. And so I've always been more comfortable with work than I am with personal relationships, because I know my worth and value in the workplace. And um, I mean, I can almost get to the point of being cocky because I'm, I, I know who I am and I know what I'm good at. And as long as it has nothing to do with a personal relationship. <laughs> so um, I, I just think that it's all tied together, right? So if, if somebody doesn't feel terribly worthy because they've been told they're not, they've been mistreated. It's just confirmed over and over and over again that they're, they're nothing and they're not, you know, worth anything and you know, all that stuff. So then why would we exercise? Like, why would, why would we, why would we eat the right thing? Why wouldn't we just eat a steady diet of cupcakes and hamburgers and cookies? Because what the heck we're, you know, so what if we die early uh, because we're worthless, right? See my my logic that where I'm going with. Mm -hmm. So, so I feel like, okay, if we can at least pull ourselves up by the bootstraps enough to get a job and throw ourselves into work, this is what happened to me. Obviously it doesn't work. You know, maybe it's just not everybody, but it's me. When I feel bad, physically, emotionally, whatever it is, I work. I throw myself into my work. I don't come up for air until I feel better. And because I get my worth and value from my work, right? So then when you're up a little bit because you feel good because you're nailing it, you're doing a good job, 
and feeling better about yourself, then I think we're, you're in a much better position to start valuing yourself enough to make better choices about what you eat and how you move and how much you move and all that kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Don, you had something to say. About- I know. I was just remembering an earlier podcast, you were talking about um, how you make new memories. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, um, food, I was just realizing as we were talking, actually, lots of revelations lately. Once you start like being intentional, it just they just come and you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, so one of the things that I think is hard for me to eat healthy food is we always ate that at grandma grandpa's at my foster parents mm-hmm. house. So and I don't want to remember that because why would I do that? So I think that I need to make some new memories like you had mentioned. I don't probably three or four podcasts ago and maybe that's something for me and maybe somebody for our our listeners have those memories around good things that were ruined by the people we were with Mm -hmm. and so I think that for me I'm going to do the 10 minute walk because you know you've been telling me this from for I don't know how many times you've been telling me this and I I halfway (laughs) listen and then I do it and then I don't do it and then I you know so you can only say it so many times and then I just gotta do it so I'm going to do it, 10 minute walk, but I think also I'm going to focus on when I have, when I'm going to make food or I'm going to get food, by food, I'm going to start with buying the food, right? No, nope, no, nope, I'm going to start sooner. I'm going to start by writing my list. What am I going to, what am I going to buy at the store? What, how is this going to affect my body? And maybe doing, maybe spending an hour of not just, you know, writing it down, but also what is it doing to my body and why do I want to eat it? Because I don't want them to have power over me anymore. Right. I think that's, you know, you're talking about control, right? It's the power that other people have or the memory has that keep us stuck. At least for me, that's what I feel like. So I just got that revelation. So you're welcome. (laughs) I'll share with everybody else. (laughs) That's awesome. I'm really happy. With what you were saying with that, um, I just noticed you're saying that they had healthier food and that's why you do avoid it. You know, when we avoid things and we don't do something because of them doing it, we're still giving back based on the people who've screwed up our lives mm-hmm. or done bad things. We're whether we're doing it because they taught us or because they're not, we're going to extremes based on how we feel about that person. So being aware of that, and I have to do this all the time because it, it's an ongoing challenge, saying I'm going to do this because I want to do it, mm-hmm. not in defense because they did or didn't do it. I'm going to do this because somebody who's valuable to me, like Diana, brought it up and it's important and I want to do it in relation to her instead of trying to control it based on those people. That's still getting fixated and making decisions based on those people, which is okay to a degree, but you want to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons in yourself. I, I struggle with that. Um, I am a sweets person. You were saying something, Diana, earlier of, I don't remember what the question was, but sweets is my go-to with stress. And uh, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I went, to, I always recommend going to a doctor first and asking about it because when I think of trauma from the clinical side, you know, it affects our hormones so much as does exercise in a really good way too. And mm-hmm. so 
you want to make sure of how your body is. But a cool thing is dark chocolate. I've learned to try to eat dark chocolate rather than regular chocolate when I'm going to uh, sweets Mm -hmm. because 40 grams of dark chocolate, so like one bar of dark chocolate, uh, is for two weeks can actually reduce the stress levels in our Mm. brains. And I'm like, I'm getting a sweet and I'm mentally helping myself, but I'm still meeting my sweet needs. So, you know, I'm kind of compensating Mm -hmm. for myself here. (laughs) That's perfect though. I want to interject, but that's a great takeaway. I just want to interject something real quick for, for those of you who are watching this podcast. Um, I, I struggle with a lot of things, but I, I also want anybody who's listening um, to understand that I choose not to stay there. Um, I think sometimes in these podcasts, I come across as the, the one needing the therapy the most. And, um, no, and I just me. want people to understand that, yes, I struggle. And I'm quite open about those struggles because I want anybody who can identify and who understands um, to know that they're not alone and that um, how you move forward, that's, you know, that's something we can take control of. I can continue to stay stuck or, or continue to be a victim of circumstances or things around me or my own self sabotage, or I can say, okay, I recognize this. And I'm uh, to Rhonda's point, I'm going to pull myself up by the bootstraps and I'm going to take the next step, whatever that looks like. And sometimes it's a great step and sometimes it's a not so great step, but um, no matter what kind of step it is, I'm going to keep trying to move forward. The other thing you asked about, and the reason I can think of a thousand things I could be doing. Um, but the but the part that I struggle with, and I am 100% certain that there will be somebody, if not at this table, but uh, listening, that will identify with my hesitation is when you said commitment. <laughs> I struggle with commitment. I, I sometimes have to make sure I'm still breathing because I've been married to uh, my high school sweetheart for almost 40 years. And I've been um, running the foster care closet for 17. And I cannot, for the life of me, uh, take any credit for that because that's not my nature. (laughs) That is, that is God intervening, helping me realize don't make a stupid decision. (laughs) Um, and so, uh, for anybody who's listening that maybe your hangup is commitment, maybe it's thinking about doing something, even if you love it for the next 21 days, um, Maybe, Diana, you can help us break it down into, okay, can you do it for just the next three days? Can you commit to one day? Yeah. Just commit to one day. Just commit to one day. And then every day, I mean, there's a reason why in AA, it's one day at a time. There's a reason why that's a thing. It's because commitment, like you say, is very, very difficult to say, oh my God, I'm going to have to do this for 21. I, I personally, it, that's overwhelming for me as well. But the only way I get around it is I commit to the, I'm going to do this today. Then I, and then the night before I'm going to go to bed, I'm like, I will either schedule a walk with a friend or I I try and figure out when can I do a workout tomorrow. And then I wake up in the morning. I'm like, I'm giving myself a commitment. That's my gift again today. Listen, it's not a seven day gift. I don't give myself gifts seven days a week. (laughs) That's not a thing for in terms of working out gifts. I might do if I'm not going to work out that day, maybe I trade up the gift. Maybe I say, okay, 
I didn't work out today. So what good thing can I do for myself? Maybe that's reading something positive, learning something positive. It's just put something in your brain that's positive and you're doing something good for yourself. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be like a commitment of 21 days, throw that out on paper, whatever, just every single day, just do something good for yourself. And that's, that's kind of all I want to like really, really come across to everyone and, and say, because that is what you have control over. And I'm saying one thing, the podcast is for two things, control what you put in your mouth, control what you put it, you know, do with your body or the, your, how your body moves. Um, but I would just challenge everyone to just control one thing every day and write one thing down that's positive for you because you know lee and i know and everybody on this panel knows we all do for everyone else this is what survivors do we help everyone else and it's probably innate it's just in us because of of how much trauma we suffered we want to make sure to help someone else and that's just what we do i get it and we, you know, we don't do for ourselves enough. And so that's why I'm really happy with this podcast. I want everyone to do one thing every single day for yourself. Closing thoughts. Dawn, what you got? Um, so <clears throat> I wanted to share this. I ran across, I think it was on Instagram. It says, I got a, de a different definition of procrastination yesterday that made me sit up. Procrastination is the arrogant assumption that God owes you another opportunity to do what you had time to do. It hit differently. And so I'm going to, I'm going to post this on my, my window or my mirror in the bathroom. Um, Cause I'm great at procrastination. If I can get paid for that, I would be rich. Um, same, so, same. <laughs> <laughs> so I, when it, you know how things just jump out at you, that just kind of jumped out at me when I was reading that. Um, so yeah, that's all I kind of wanted to share. And also that's good. Um, I guess I just want to leave with um, lasting memories, like just change when you have a memory, acknowledge it, and then be intentional about making a new one. So and do that with friends, like say you, you need help with that. We've, you've already said subscribe to it, but get to get a group of people that you want to do like your people that you're going to work out with and you're going to eat healthy with. Watch this podcast, be encouraging to each other. and. Um, it commit to the one day thing, but also maybe commit to making new memories around food and what that means. And maybe you do research together um, on the benefits of things, right? Sometimes we know it, but sometimes we have to be reminded of what it is. That's good. Rhonda. Okay. Well, I guess my parting thoughts would be begin immediately to do what you can do. Take control of your thoughts. I mean, the Bible talks about taking control, taking your thoughts captive, because the thoughts in our brain that say things like, I deserve to eat this dozen cookies, or I, you know, I, I want to eat this whole gallon of ice cream, or, or I want to drink this alcohol, or, or take these drugs, or whatever it is, or I shop too much, spend too much, we, you know, whatever the things that we have in our lives that are really, if we're honest, outside of our control or out of control. I I just want to encourage everybody start to take control over one thing. And, and I think it'll change your life. My, my quick example of that is when I aged out and I was on my own and I was making my own money at 16, I started drinking Coca-Cola and I got to the point I was drinking two and a half, six packs a day. 
because I could. And so that was kind of my big rebellion. Like some people do drugs. I did Coca-Cola. And <laughs> I gained a lot of weight. And, you know, I'm sure my teeth were rotting in my head. I mean, it was it's just bad all the way around. On July 11th of 1987, um, 1987, for those of you who are unfamiliar with 80s, um, I gave up Coca-Cola. And I haven't had one since. But let me tell you the point. Um, I had I had headaches and it was really hard to get off of the caffeine and all that. But within 30 days, the headaches were gone. I lost 20, was it 24 pounds, 25 pounds? I mean, weight just was like melting off of me. And it was a matter of months from that point when I thought, I'm no longer a slave to this. I no longer have to get up from the bed and go straight to the fridge and get my Coke that I decided I could open my own business. And I did. And it changed that one thing that I took control over, that I was not going to be addicted anymore. And I was not going to be a slave to something anymore that in my head said, I can start my own business. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know the first thing about having a business, doing the books, any of that. But when you take control of one thing, it can be the beginning of remarkable, mind-blowing things. That's beautiful. That was, that was perfect. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So true. Amber, what you got? Uh, after I beat, after that? I know. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, I, I would say, you know, the point that I heard you say a couple of times when you come up with two things, uh, one, choosing one, and I think remembering that one will lead to another. So when you do one, it will naturally lead to something else. For instance, one of them that I have to do a lot of times, and I do have to keep coming back to this goal, is to drink water. Uh, I don't drink anything. I'm too busy for that. I don't have enough time for this. And Lee, this is kind of with you of when we're discovering and rediscovering our worth, remembering that our body is part of our worth. If we don't have a body, then we can't engage our worth from our spirit, our skills, our knowledge. We have to have a healthy body to give that. Um, And so as you're discovering that, knowing that your body is worth too. And so learning to take care of it and water is, well, I think kind of important and I don't drink a lot of water. So I kind of essential, (laughs) kind of essential. And I noticed the more I drink water, well, I pee a lot. Who has time for that? It makes it better because then I begin, it actually helps my energy to go for a walk. I'm walking more you know, to go to the bathroom, <laughs> I am feeling a little better because it's releasing some more chemicals. When I move, I make healthier choices when I'm eating. It is a ripple effect into the other things for me. That's one of the things for me. And the way I set it as a goal is I drink those big matcha cups that, and drinks that everybody laughs about. But there's a good reason for that because it's a motivator because we can physically see it. So that's what I loved about what you were saying there is just one one thing one time so just one thing yeah well, that's good um and and uh i will close with uh six little scientific realities on what a 10 minute walk will do for you so walking 10 minutes especially when you are feeling down or depressed can have several positive effects on your body number 1 release of endorphins 
So we all know physical activities, even if it's a short walk, triggers the release of endorphins, which are neurotransmitters that help improve mood and reduce stress. Number two, improved blood circulation. Walking increases blood flow, delivering more oxygen and nutrients to your body and brain, but it can contribute to enhance cognitive function, that cognitive function that we all need and overall well-being. This is a great thing. It is. And number three, reduced muscle tension. So physical movement helps release muscle tension. My neck, my shoulders, constant. They're just like this because of all the things I'm rushing around, things I do. So it provides a sense of relaxation and easing the physical discomfort that comes with associated stress. Number four, increased energy levels. Walking can boost your energy levels, helping you counteract those feelings of fatigue, lethargy, which is often associated with what? Depression. Number five, distraction and clarity. A brief walk, especially if you are in a stressful situation, if you want to text back somebody something not so great, write an email not so great, somebody's really made that phone call with you not so great, get up, take a walk, have a change of scenery, provide distraction for those or from those negative thoughts, potentially offering that fresh perspective. It's a different perspective on those problems. You'll see it incredibly differently. um, I promise you. And the last one, six, it really does enhance your sleep quality. So regular, and these are 10 minutes, by the way, people, 10 minute walk. That's all I'm talking about. Not an hour, not 45 minutes, 10 minutes. Regular physical activity, even in short bursts like this, can contribute to a better quality of sleep, which is crucial. It is, in fact, critical for our all of our emotional well-being. So even though, you know, I've said all of these things, um, it, these are this is a beneficial and ac- accessible, like you don't have to go to the gym. This is ac- accessible activity that you guys can do. Please consult any healthcare professional because I am not one. But I just want to say thank you to everyone for joining us. We are so grateful that you are on here. Please share our videos um, with everyone. We do not know what battles are hiding behind closed doors that people are facing. And it's very, very important that we share these videos and you get a laugh or two because we definitely provide humor. (laughs) Thank you so much, everyone. Until next time.